and it was the worst decision for my modeling career and the best decision for my photography career. everyone, welcome to Photo Pros Weekly, the photography podcast that digs in with some of the best portrait photographers in the world. Now, this is not your normal photography podcast. We're not here just talking about gear or reading advertisements, but instead we want to hear stories told from some of the most well-respected photographers around the world so that you can learn their path and hear some unique moments they've encountered during their careers. So my name is Brandon Heiss. I'm joined today with Olivia Tuttle. And the two of us look forward to hosting you each week as we meet with some of these talented photographers. So today, let's dive right in. We've got our guest, Peter Hurley, joining us. And how is it going, Peter? Hey, guys. Oh, my gosh. This is awesome. Are we kicking this thing off? This is really it? This is we're doing this? This is season one, episode one. We're really doing it. And uh, hopefully, we'll have you on this time and then maybe a, a, in a future season, We'll have more stories to tell from what's happening this I, year. I love it, and I love the shirt, Brandon. That was very thoughtful. Thank you. Thank you. For those people listening on the audio-only version, there is a video podcast as well. Uh, if you search Photo Pros Weekly Podcast, you'll be able to find that on YouTube. So let's dive right in. Peter, the question uh, that, that we need to ask first, really, to get this out of the way is, who are you? Where do you live? Where do you do business? And how'd you get into photography? Awesome. Uh, okay. My name's Peter Hurley. I'm a portrait photographer in New York City. I started out here, my business, because I was a model, model actor, bartender dude who couldn't rub two nickels together. And I was like, I got to make some money and I don't want to be in the bar anymore. So I was modeling and I thought photographers had a cool job. And I was like, I, I mean, if I could pull it off, that'd be kind of cool. So I picked up a camera. I started shooting my friends. Hold off. I have to interrupt, though. You weren't just modeling. Who were you modeling for? You weren't like a Kmart model. You weren't a model for, you know, any old no, I'm Joe Schmo. I'm, I'm really good looking. So uh, <laughs> you're only hearing the audio part. Then you got to check out the video part to see. I still got it. I'm 51 now, but I was modeling in my 20s. Uh, anyway, yeah, I modeled for Polo, Abercrombie and Fitch, um, did a story on me and, and ran this big spread about me while I was selling my Polo ads. Uh, pictures went all over the world. Um, I was the Wrangler guy for like a full year, did a bunch of stuff for Hanes. I worked for a ton of companies. I had Budweiser billboards all over the place, which was really cool. And, um, you know, did a bunch of catalog and stuff like that. I was fortunate to have a career that, that, that I did fairly well, but modeling, there's this misconception that models make a ton of money. I, I was working with those big companies, but it wasn't enough to make ends meet in New York city. And I still had to bartend and I lived in a fifth floor walk up with my brother. And I was working every week as a model and I, and I was doing okay. And I got into acting and I was on like soap operas and stuff. And, and I, uh, but I was, I was not a good, at, I was not a much better at acting like myself than I was. If they gave me somebody to be, I just couldn't do it. I can see um, that. But the acting classes and everything really helped me because I didn't know I was ever going to become a photography teacher and get up on stage and do stuff like that. And I was really timid and shy when I started acting and it helped me break me out of my shell. I was, you would not believe the person I was when I started that process. Cause I wasn't the person that you see or hear now, but, um, but it was an amazing journey 
and it put a camera in my hand and then I fell. I didn't know. I really didn't get into photography to become a photographer. I got into photography so I didn't have to bartend. And I just thought I was going to be an actor. I didn't know. I just thought I was going to be an actor and I thought my modeling would still be going. I'd be an actor and between acting gigs until I became a big time, huge, massive, massively successful A-list celebrity, I would take pictures until that time occurred. And of course, that time was never going to occur because I didn't have the talent for it, one. And two, I absolutely fell in love with photography. And then there was this crazy headshot market in New York that I was shooting some models and, and one of them was like, hey, I'm acting. I need a headshot. I was like, come here, just move closer to the camera and look in it. And I realized I was like, whoa, I can do this. I mean, it was hard at first. It's a lot harder when the person's closer to you as a photographer because the expression becomes so important. So all these photographers in New York were getting blank expressions because that's the thing. That's the real, like I would move the person closer to me and I'd be like, they don't look good. They don't know what they're doing when they look in the camera. And I was like, I got to coach them. And then I started coaching them. And that's really how this whole thing took so off. So did you pick up the camera when you were modeling? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. On your own shoot, you picked up the camera. On a shoot. Bruce, no, right? I mean, I was encouraged by Bruce Weber. Tell I was the story in the about middle Bruce, of Because I, I think was, that's interesting. I think a lot of people would, would be interested to hear about kind of your interaction with Bruce. Bruce was a photographer when you were modeling for Polo, right? Yeah. So I got, I was training for the Olympics. We'll just tell the whole story. <laughs> just one thing after Well, he's a sailor. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the important part of this whole thing. And, I, and it, it, it's still what you're doing today. So we'll, we'll get into that. But I think it's interesting that you go from sailing and, uh, you know, that's why they recruited you, right? Yeah. They, Polo was looking for real sailors. I was training for the, I graduated college i didn't know what i was going to do and i was good at sailing and the boat that i sailed became an olympic class and then a bunch of my friends were going for the olympics and uh, my dad had trained for the olympics so he said hey we'll i'll f help fund an olympic campaign for you and we'll go to the yacht club and, and fundraise and we'll get you sponsors so uh, my neighbor was married to this woman who had her sister visiting one day from new york city and she's like you don't have sponsors and you've never had your picture taken. And I was like, no, she goes, I'm going to get a photographer down here. And she got a photographer uh, named Wendy Hammond. Wendy took pictures of me. She put, they, they decked me out in these DKNY clothes. Uh, Cause they were working. Her name's Kagi Simonelli Bradford. And she was working for Donna Karen. She was Donna's intern and then became, you know, involved with the company and working closely with Donna. And um, she got me sponsored. She, by DKNY. So I had it all over my sale. I had all the clothes. I was running around. She calls me one day and she goes, look, Polo's looking for real sailors. You got to come into Manhattan and meet with uh, a designer over there. So I go over there and I meet this designer who now is an awesome photographer. His name's Arnaldo Anaya Luca. You look him up. Uh, he's a really good photographer. And, and then he sent me, he goes, okay, you're pretty good. You got to go over to the ad agency. And I met the creative director at the ad agency who at the time was Richard Phibbs, who is another ridiculous photographer. These guys quit their jobs and came, became photographers, I guess. Um, but he's amazing and a, and a really good commercial photographer. You got to check his stuff out. Um, but he looked at take one look at me and the, He's like, let me take a Polaroid. Took this Polaroid, and I wasn't really in shape back then. He said, take off your shirt. I was like, I'm not like I am, and nothing I, like I, I am. Like you are 51. 
Not now. No, <laughs> I'm much more ripped now. And I'm not kidding. I wasn't, I didn't have it. Cause when I started modeling, I was just a sailor and sailor bodies aren't really anything. But then they sent me over to Barcelona and I was with a bunch of models and everybody, they gave us a gym membership and everybody was working on it. I was like, if I'm going to get work and do underwear modeling, which I ended up doing, I better like do something about this physique. So I got abs and I got some arms and I did some stuff. And then the Abercrombie Fitch stuff came and I was super ripped for that. And then I've stayed like that for a while. And I think I'm just as ripped now as I was for that Abercrombie Fitch job actually at the moment. But yeah, that shot is my favorite picture that's ever been taken of me. And I talk about it because I was like, nobody's going to beat this now. I mean, even though I'm in, in really good shape now, like I'm impressed with the shape I'm in now. But, um, but that shot's just phenomenal. You know, I just, I love it. So, Peter, tell us a little bit about uh, the first time maybe you picked up a camera and started shooting. I went into a, a used camera store and got a, a little 35 millimeter um, in like 1998, I guess. And I started shooting, started shooting that thing on, on film. And then I went to, I was with Bruce in, in, uh, in Spain. I went back to, we were in Sevilla and we, I went back to Madrid and I walked into a store and bought a medium format, Mamiya 645, came back to the States and started a business. Was that your coolest location that you were shooting with Spain or? Um, never thought about that. It was pretty cool. We went all over the South of Spain with a photographer there named Ramiro Montoya. And he, uh, we, Bruce had a big house. He was shooting for Casa Vogue. So me and Yelly, um, who was my girlfriend at the time and now my wife, we shot all over. Um, we were driving around. We went down to Tarifa, which is like the by the Rock of Gibraltar and stuff, and did all this shooting. And then we went back to Madrid, and he had a dark room. Ramiro had a dark room in his apartment, and he taught me how to print black and white. I had done it in high school a little bit, but I had forgot. So he started printing the printing process, and I would go... Um, I just printed out all the all the shots that we were we were we had taken, and then when I got back to New York, I bought a dark room, put it in my mom's basement, and started printing all my own work. I mean, I wanted to get an aid more commercial, and I got a photo consultant and hired a photo consultant in like 2009, and started to put a portfolio together with that. And I was working on some other things, and and that kind of took off because that helped me get some really nice portraits in my in my uh you know my in my work and in my portfolio and then it led to other jobs that that i actually acquired all on my own and never got an agent um and got to do some really big stuff so i was like well this is working let me just stick with this path so it, it never happened when i when i first started shooting i didn't know i was gonna do headshots i didn't charge for headshots until um, I didn't specifically run ads and become a headshot photographer till February of 2002. So I picked up the camera in June of 2000. So there was about, I don't know, somebody do the math. How many years? <laughs> Two years, I guess, that where I wasn't really uh, sure about what I was doing. And if you look at the entry points to start charging as a professional, I was like, I got to make some money. Um, I got very fortunate that I was photographing models and i just started charging them for film like pay me for a roll of film and i'll shoot it and that's what we did and then my friend was an art buyer at a net agency and she gave me this pair of sneakers and she said will you shoot these sneakers and she just do it on black and white i know your work's good it's fine we just have to photoshop them into an ad because the ad didn't 
get shot with the proper sneakers on or Reebok had kept changing, had kept coming out with new sneakers and they needed, you know, the sneakers shot. So I was like totally nervous. And it was my first job. And I got that a month after I was back in the States. I think it was like that summer. And that year they gave me 11 pairs of sneakers to shoot. So I made $33,000 off of Reebok. Now it's funny, the modeling, I, I was trying to do it, but I wasn't, I was never that good looking. So I never really, my agent never loved me that much. They liked me, but they didn't love me. But I started shooting for, and I was with Click and I started shooting for Wilhelmina and I was shooting the guys. So the Wilhelmina Booker calls me, who I, I had become friends with. This The industry is not that big. So you get to know everybody. And as a shooter, I was knowing people, but they knew me as a model. They knew me both ways. So he called me and I was like, oh my gosh, I must have screwed up the shots for that guy. Why is he calling me now? And he gets on the phone. And he goes, no, I'm not calling you about that. I was like, well, what is it? He goes, I want you to come over and I want to be your booker at this agency at Wilhelmina. And I was like, and Wilhelmina was a big name. I was with Click, which was a big name and, and they were great. Um, and I did not, I just was like, somebody wants me to, to, like, I was excited that somebody was interested. So I was like, you know what? I've been with Click a really long time. I, I actually was able to, sneak out of there and and i went over to wilhelmina and it was the worst decision for my modeling career and the best decision for my photography career because my i went over to wilhelmina and my every the guy who wanted me over there quit like the next week and left and then all of a sudden i was stuck with these people that i didn't know and it, i didn't wasn't comfortable there and i was comfortable at click i don't know why i ever left them and uh, but to this day, I'm thankful that I made that move because it forced me to focus 100% on the photography. Yeah. So is that when you called it quits on modeling? Then you don't just like hang it up. Like uh, I was under contract, so okay, I okay. couldn't even hang it up if I wanted mm -hmm. to. But I just let it phase out, and then I didn't re-sign a contract. And I was like, guys, it's not working. I'm 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 done. On to bigger, and that better. would be now. Look at you. Like 2000, I did my last job in 2003, maybe, and then I got another job shortly after that and then i just did a modeling job for an editorial for a magazine like last month which was really fun because i hadn't done it since 2003. tell us about a time where maybe you lost your cool maybe you got stressed just like a freak out moment and it having to do with photography obviously any clients that were just nightmares that you just you, you couldn't deal with or, or or anything like that ever happened in your career? i was just i've been talking about this like crazy on clubhouse okay. oh my gosh um, I have all the stories. So I, I, I mean, the biggest, the most I felt is when I'm shooting celebrities and it's usually not, sometimes it's the celebrity and sometimes it's the people around the celebrity. Um, so I'm not going to name names, but I had a author who was super famous, wrote a book that became a movie that was super famous and she wrote her second book and Simon and Schuster, I'll just say that, would, um, hired me. And it just, it was, she came in and she said, she's like, I don't like being in front of cameras. I don't want anybody in the room when I'm shooting. So I'm like, okay. So I put these V flats, built this wall, uh, didn't let anybody in. I was like, nobody's coming in here. That's it. It's just me and you. Let's do this. And I just wasn't the director now. So I didn't really know how to get her to chill. And the art director who hired me for the job walks into the room and I'm like, and I didn't think anything of it. I was like, of course it's the art director. She could be in here. That's what I'm thinking. No, the, the person did not want anybody in there. 
And it just started to go south. And then her husband, he, she called her husband to come over. And then he comes over and tries to console her. And it was just a mess. And I finished the shoot. I didn't feel like I got anything. I was so stressed. I was like really pissed. And most of these are high paying jobs. Um, it was a lot of money. And the, the art director calls me and, and says, uh, she's not going to use the pictures. Did not go well. Didn't like anything. Uh, by the way, we forgot to tell you that she was pregnant and feeling fat. And I was like, why didn't you, I mean, why didn't we do the shoot earlier? Like, I didn't know that. Like, she was super emotional. And the husband was super cool and helpful, but we still didn't get, it just shouldn't have been shot. So it was really super. So I lost the client. I lost, um, I lost the client. And then I, I'm, I shoot a lot of authors, so I, I've lost them. And then, and then one of their other authors had, to, had done another book. And the art director that I was working with called him and said, hey, we have to do a photo shoot. And he said, you better call Peter. And they called me. And that was how I got it back because of the – and that was Vince Flynn. Um, I'm happy to say that because Vince was awesome. And unfortunately, he passed away from, from uh, prostate cancer. But um, I got to shoot all his books and all his stuff and the stuff still running out there. And he stood up for me. So sometimes you get these relationships with these people – that the, you're their guy and I was his guy and, and we connected and I loved it. And it was, it was very powerful. Um, and that's the, that's the most awesome thing. And to bring back a client and then they came back and I shot for a couple of years. And then I had another one of their celebrities who I shot the first book cover of the book she wrote. And then they hired me for the second book. And I guess, I don't know what happened because they didn't, I did the shoot. They never even called me to say they paid me. And then they never called me to say whether they were using it or not. And the book came out. And it was not my picture on the cover. Nobody ever told me anything. And then they haven't booked me since. So I lost them again somehow. And I don't even know how. So it's tough out there, guys. Yeah. It's, you uh, know? Um, but I love working with them because I love shooting authors. It's so awesome. So, and I'm not the best at keeping those relationships, you know, great because I'm so busy and I have, I'm doing so much. Um, but when I get those jobs and when you have somebody step up to the plate like Vince and, and, and get these clients back for you, it's just phenomenal. So that's been phenomenal. Yeah. Is, that, is there a lot of loyalty in that? I mean, or, or is that, is that common for them to flip flop and kind of, you know, pick a new, I think it depends. I mean, I think they, they want different looks too. Sometimes, I mean, with me being a headshot specialist, like I have a, I, I guess there's not that many photographers that do headshots as well as they do their portraiture. Like some that specialize just in headshots really can't handle the portrait side of things as much. I think that I can, I'm, I'm very versed in both. Like I love it. I love doing both and I love doing both at a very high level. So I think that that makes it kind of easier for them to say, Hey, cause we want it to be headshotty for, we need that for some stuff. You know, like they, we did different shooting for like Barnes and Noble would want one thing and then they, you know, for the back book jacket, they want another, you know, all this stuff, you know, for press, they want other stuff. So the more variety that you can give, the better. But yeah, the author photos were right up my alley because I had that, that, you know, I could, I could handle all of it. It was cool. Well, on the opposite end of that, so that, that's kind of a stressful moment. What's the, I guess the happiest the most, the most proud I, I guess do you have a single 
photo shoot. I mean, you've been on hundreds, if not thousands. Of yeah. Photos. I mean, easily the single most proud moment photo shoot for me was I got to shoot the cast and crew of Lost and I got sent to Hawaii and I had to shoot for an exhibition in New York. So I went to Hawaii. I shot it all. It's funny. Vince booked me the same in the same week I had to shoot the lost thing and I had to shoot Vince in New York. So I was supposed to, I got out to Hawaii and I was like, look guys, I can only be here for like three days on three days. The three days went by and they were like, no, you have to stay tomorrow. You haven't shot the rest of the cast and you haven't shot this person. You haven't shot that person. And we were having so much fun with you. Will you stay? So the lost people wanted me to stay in Hawaii on this I job. Bet they did. They wanted you to get stuck there. Just like the show. And Vince was, I know, right? And Vince was in New York waiting for me to shoot him. And I had to fly back that night and, and then shoot all the next day. And it was the two biggest jobs I had that year and the most meaningful to this day. So it's like amazing how that was all happening to me at that moment, at that point. But the, the most proud was when I walked into the Vilcek Foundation who hired me to do the job. And uh, they had an exhibition of, you know, I don't know how many prints we did. I think we did like 25 prints or something that were huge. They were like 50 by 60 or something like that. They were massive. And, um, you know, the cast was there. The celebrities were there. I was hanging out with the guy Hurley. I'm Hurley shooting Hurley, you know, and, uh, and, um, and the producers and everybody. And that, that was, and, and my mom came who I've lost since then. And, and that was, uh, I didn't mean that play on terms there, but um, play on words there. But um, that was a big moment for, I think all of us can relate to this when you have parental pressure to go get a real job and you say you want to pick up a camera, it doesn't fly generally. Um, and it didn't fly with my parents. So that moment of the lost thing was something that meant a lot to me because I know how proud she was of me and having had made it as a photographer. And that was one of the moments where it was like, I did this. This is So cool. that was a proud moment. Was it also kind of a career shift? Like, did you notice, you said it's for a big exhibition. Did you notice increased business after that? Did, did more people know who you were? No, no, I think I had, I had, I was fortunate enough to be very successful in my own right as a, as a headshot photographer shooting actors. This had, I think that self-promotion as a photographer is one of the hardest things that you can, you can do. I didn't, we didn't, I mean, Instagram didn't exist then, you know, I didn't have, um, I guess I had my Facebook going and stuff and Twitter. I opened up in like 2009, this was like 2010. Um, you know, now, uh, I think it's easier to show the work and get it out there possibly. And, and we're all trying to, grow Instagram followings and stuff like that. So, and now I have a big following so I can, I can get the, get it out there. I don't think then it really, um, did any great, great things, but being in my portfolio and being on there and being on my site for the last 10 years, it's been on there. I can't believe 10 years have gone by and it, it was 11 years now. Um, time flies, you know, so I can't, I can't, stress enough how much that must have helped me with credibility and and getting other jobs and and just the scope of it to handle that kind of job was huge because i had to go to la and shoot in the production offices in la and then go to hawaii and shoot there and then had to go through the whole process of getting all of these printed and and now the exhibition is is in hawaii somewhere in a museum or something actually which i i have to find out where it is because i want to go to hawaii i was just teaching um kids virtually yesterday in hawaii 
And they're like, you got to come out. Oh, they they ordered the flex kit and everything. You know Julie, right, Brandon? Um, she teaches in Hawaii. She's a, I did a I went to a high school and taught with her. And NBC came in and filmed me teaching the high school kids. Remember? Oh, yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And now she's in Hawaii, and we're going to try and do the same thing. So when I go, I'm going to go find my exhibition and and uh, do some social around that because I know it's in a, it's in a museum in Hawaii somewhere, which is super cool to have your stuff in a museum. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's bucket list right there. Yeah, that's I mean, not going to happen to me. You've made it. Well, cool. So, you know, let's talk about your hobbies outside of photography. I mean, I know you're a big sailor. I know you're, you're, you're currently in sailing season, right? It's, uh, it's March. Um, it just started. So I, I'm a big believer in having, um, I tell everybody, you got to have a, a hobby that, that takes you, takes your mind off things. Um, a lot for a lot of people listening that are photographers, it's photography, you know, maybe they're amateurs and they want to go pro, but they haven't gone pro yet. So it's really, they have a nine to five and their thing that takes their mind off things and, and gets them creative is the photography. For me, it's the sailing. Like I needed that outlet. I need the, I need the space to get out of the studio and do something I love and at a high level and, and a high stress level. Like it's, it's something that's very difficult, um, really good at it. I trained for two Olympic games at it. I love it. And it's also very physical. So it's the only thing that keeps me, it's the only reason why I'm in shape. Yeah. I'm funny on Instagram and do a bunch of ab alerts and be silly. But, but the fact is, is that there's no way if I didn't sail that boat, that any of that would be possible. So people look at me like I'm crazy because of the fitness and it's really not if it's, it's not me at all. It's the fact that I will not go fast in that boat if I weigh over 190 pounds. So there's nothing else to do. It's either I don't sail or I don't compete at a high level. So I went to the sailing season just started. And I'm 195 right now and I want to be 187. I got down to like 191, 192, but I think I sailed around 195. Can't beat the, you can't compete at that. Like everybody just blows by me like I'm standing still if, if there's extra weight in the boat. And I, believe this honestly so um so not only does the boat keep me in shape and get me to work out which just working out alone is another thing another outlet to blow off steam and get creative stuff yeah it's just awesome i let my body go i wasn't sailing i pinched a nerve in my neck um in 2012 to i was totally out of shape if you look you can see i started teaching in 2011 and i started to get put on camera and you can see in this one video where I was at my heaviest, I did something with Scott Kelby and it's on Kelby one. And I did this editing video and I look like I was 230 pounds. You I mean, I'm 14 huge. pounds of hair too. There's a lot of hair at the moment. Yeah. At the time there was a lot of hair. That's true. So are there weight classes when you're sailing? I don't know if that's a crazy question, but you know, no. you said these later guys can fly right past you. Yeah, well, it's all wind related. So the mm. boat weighs 130 pounds, basically. So if you're 200 pounds and you sit in a 130 pound boat, you basically sink it. So, but the guys, the optimal weight is about 185 or, or around there. So I'm happy to come in at 186, 187. Once you get to 188 or above, it's just, it's just, you just don't feel as fast in certain conditions. Are you feeling and, good? Uh, then that's mentally challenging. So the fact that I'm so specific about it is what gets me to the gym in the morning. So it's kind of cool. Peter, do you feel good at 187 or do you feel like you're, like you're starving yourself? Look at me. 
satiated. I look, people think, people have been telling me, and if I look, fine. You can tell me. Is it your, are you okay? All right. So, Peter, we're in, we're in sailing season now, March 2021. How, how long does sailing season go for? Is it throughout the summer here in North America, or, or what's the season? How long do you Yeah, have to well, stay I skinny? mean, some people sail all year round, but I'm training for the World Championship, which is in Barcelona in September. So I'm going to stay in shape. I mean, I, and this is the, this is the thing. I am a backpedaler. Like I backpedal like you wouldn't believe. So I will get ripped like you wouldn't believe. And then the regatta, like this is what happened in Miami. I went crazy and I got super ripped for it. And then I sailed and I had a shitty regatta. So I just went and ate everything in sight for like five days in a row. So I, I allow myself to go off the rails completely. And I'm not saying this is a good thing, but I backpedal like you wouldn't believe. So I go backwards, like, like to go forwards again, because otherwise I'm just, it's too strict. Yeah. I can't. And everybody's like, why do you do that? Why don't you just do it more subtly? I was like, I don't, you don't know my personality. Like, what are you talking about? This is the way I roll. Like, this is it. This is the way it goes. It doesn't work any other way. And it works that way. So I, I feel like I'm refreshed and then I can go again. Like, I'm good. I hit all the ice cream and brownies and cookies that I need to hit for a little bit. And I'm going. Yeah, you're a big sweets guy. This guy, you take him out to dinner. If you don't get dessert, you know, you know he's sick or he's, or he's got <laughs> a regatta coming Something. up. Something's up. <laughs> What's your favorite dessert? Oh, my gosh. Are you an ice cream person or more like a cake? I like ice cream. I like cake, like the molten lava cake thing that they have oh, sometimes. Yeah. That sucker going. <laughs> I would just about do it. Well, well that sounds good. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think it is important. I think having the hobby, you know, you're a competitive guy. I think, I think you're a competitive guy with your photography too. I mean, you always want to be the best of the best. I mean, I think that goes into you know, your headshot crew, you're always coaching, you're always trying to bring the best out of every, all of your, uh, all of the other mentors throughout the program and, and, and all the headshot photographers at the various, uh, trade shows that we go to. So, you know, that's, it, that is, uh, competitive, your competitive nature, I think is, is, is obvious, not only in your craft, but also your hobby. Absolutely. I, I'm, I guess it's, you know what amazed me, and I told this to the guy who's going to the Olympics for the U.S. He's gone multiple times, and and I was sailing against him last week, and uh, and I said, you know, all the people, because he's getting older. And I was like, eventually you're gonna have to get, potentially stop this sailing thing. He goes, when did you have kids? When did you stop? And I was like, I had kids. He's 32 now. I was like, I had kids when I was 33. I quit sailing when I was like 31, 30. I was 30. Yeah, I was 30. Uh, and, um, and what did I say? I, I was like, the main thing is, is that all the guys that I trained for the Olympics with that were super successful on the race course became super, super successful in life and in their other careers that they moved on to. And I think that, that it's just ingrained in people. I think that there's a work ethic and there's a, you know, can't be stopped mentality, um, that I was like, I don't, I'm. I'm going to make this camera thing work. Nobody's going to stop me. And I think that's lasted all the way through today. That's awesome. Well, good stuff. No, I, I think uh, that, that's going to conclude the podcast today. Peter, where can people find you? Where can people find uh, your shenanigans on online? I am Peter underscore Hurley on Instagram, where I post a bunch of silly stuff. 
And uh, it's just my nature. And if you are interested in any of the coaching uh, platform, the, the my coaching tips and where I coach and where I get photographers and, and I have a referral engine um, for headshot work. If you're interested in adding a headshot specialty to what you do, go to headshotcrew.com. Spend a week with me on a trial to see if you like it. And if you want to jump in, you can. I, I do a week's worth of uh, emails and videos and stuff like that to get people up to speed and get people rolling. And we have over 150 associates now all over the world and there's uh over 18,000 photographers on the site and there's 1500 in the coaching group so it's been uh it's been really a lot of fun to see people growing um with it and and making money and and making money with headshot photography but more importantly i started to spread my message and my message was basically i want people that get in front of my camera to leave with a skip in their step and feel a little bit better about having been there and better about their appearance. I did a TEDx talk on this. So Google TEDx Peter Hurling, watch that because I get emotional at the end and it's pretty powerful. And, um, and what I realized was I'm spreading that message through the people I coach. So I coach people up to be able to do the same. And then we can globally make people feel better about their appearance. And that's really what my purpose has become. So that's what I'm working on. And uh, I think we all have a distinct relationship with you with our appearance. And I hope yours is healthy one. If it's not get in front of a camera, get in front of a headshot crew photographer that can shoot you really well and feel better about yourself because you are not getting any younger. And in 10 years, you're going to like that stuff like you wouldn't believe. Absolutely. No, I think, I think what you've done for, for headshot photographers around the world. I mean, I, speaking of clubhouse earlier, I'm seeing a, a 24 hour stream. It seems like that has Peter Hurley's name in it, headshot crew's name in it. Uh, and one of the coolest things about Headshot Crew, if I can kind of share with this, I love that that you can search Headshot Photographer in your hometown and the Headshot Crew's, you know, suggested Headshot Photographers. It's almost like a vetted program says, hey, these are the best in your area. I mean, that SEO alone, if you're a Headshot Photographer, you know, you're trying to get more notice in your area. I mean, that that single thing, I think, it makes the whole whole program worth it. It's amazing. I went on Sirius XM yesterday and did a did a talk uh, radio show with a client of mine who has her own show on there. She's a dermatologist. And we were just talking and I was giving my tips and I said on it, I said, hey, go to headshotcrew.com, hit the find a photographer link. And lo and behold, this morning, I get a call from Kim Dalton in Cincinnati. She said, Some, did, were you on a radio show yesterday? Somebody said that they had to book, and I booked the person because you told them to go there. I was like, yes, shebang. <laughs> That's what, there you go. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, Peter, thank you so much for ha uh, for joining us today. And uh, again, this is the first episode of Photo Pros Weekly. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe below. If you're listening out there somewhere, someplace, Make sure you subscribe so you hear these future uh, episodes, and we'll see you next time.